Let me pray for us. We'll get going. All right. Our Father in heaven, we're thankful again for an opportunity to come to church on Sunday, to uh, hear from your word, to study it together, to be in community with other believers and uh, and then be able to study and discuss it in that community. So we're, we're thankful for that. May your spirit guide us today as we um, study the gospel of John together. Lord, we love you and praise you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Okay, we are in John chapter 2, John chapter 2, and uh, beginning of verse 13. Um, all right, so John chapter 2, beginning of verse 13. Okay, let's remember where we are in John's gospel. We just finished last week. Uh, Isaac went through the miracle at the wedding in Cana in, in Galilee. Uh, where Jesus turned the water into wine. And afterwards, Jesus, his family, and his disciples, uh, you have that summary verse in uh, verse 12, tells us that they, they went and they stayed at Capernaum. Okay, so Cana is about 17 miles southwest, I think, of Capernaum. Capernaum is on the uh, northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. Um, it kind of acts... Through, through the Gospels and Jesus' ministry around the Sea of Galilee, Capernaum acts as Jesus' uh, home base of sorts, um, if he has one. That would be it. Um, and so he, uh, that's where he comes back to. He'll come back to Capernaum again. Um, now, Jesus has recruited some disciples so far. Do you guys remember who, who, he, who has he recruited so far? Who is it has the text mentioned, at least? Say that again. Peter, I guess John would be in there. I don't know if it mentions John, but he would probably be in there. Oh, Nathaniel. Say that again. Okay. Yeah, I didn't think of John, but that's, that's uh, you know, John doesn't name himself, does he? Yeah, that's right. So Peter, John, Andrew. Did we say Andrew? I just said that. And Nathaniel. And one more. Philip. Yes. That's Yeah, usually. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Maybe we'll see it later on. All right. Specifically, he's called Philip and the rest of all just kind of Yeah. 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 I think that's right. Um, okay. Good. So yeah, we we've had We have. He has some disciples with him now. Um, at least those are the ones that are mentioned specifically by name. Um, so we've had the we've had the theological introduction to chapter one, right? Intro- introducing Jesus as the Word. Then we had the ministry of John the Baptist, then the calling of the disciples, and then the wedding at Cana. And at the end of the wedding, it says that after the miracle, his disciples uh, believed in him, the meaning that they uh, they saw the miracle and thought that this man uh, really is the Messiah, um, whatever they thought Messiah meant. And now we, uh, now we dive into the, the ministry of Jesus. It's a officially beginning. Um, the miracle of Cana was his first miracle, it says, um, beginning his, his ministry, at least. So we're, uh, we're at verse 13. Let's start there. Verse 13. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to 
Jerusalem. All right, now this is the first of at least three Passovers in the Gospel of John. Jesus is going to Jerusalem to celebrate and partake in the Passover. All right, so let's let's just remind ourselves what is the Passover feast? What does it celebrate? What event? That's right, the Exodus from uh, from Egypt, um, the the leaving of Egypt and the Passover lamb passing over the doors of the Israelites. Right. More, yeah, specifically the last of the plagues or blows. Yeah, the whole thing would be remembered, right? It wouldn't. But specifically that because of your faith or that your ancestors, that God did not kill the, the firstborn and passed over. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with that. Now, the Passover feast, that's a commemorates that. How often do the Israelites have to celebrate it? What would you say? Annually, every year. Every year they had to go to the temple and celebrate it. So this is the, this, this may be the first of Jesus' Passover in his beginning his ministry, but certainly not the first one that Jesus would have been to, right? He'd be, he would have been going every single year. Um, and he'll go to more, as we see. I said on that, uh, we went. It does seem like they sort of conflate the whole, all the things that happened with Moses then getting out with the Passover. Mm-hmm. Even though the name is specifically that one. Yeah, they, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't just talk about the very last part of it without telling the rest of the story. Okay. I'm going to keep going. <laughs> sure. There you go. Yeah, I was just about to talk about that. Good. You, you can tell us about it. It wasn't mean to go up to Jerusalem. Because they're, they're, they're at Capernaum, right? And it says they're going up to Jerusalem. So go ahead. Tell us what that means. Um, the, Jerusalem, as far as I know, is that the, the, the highest out, out latitude. Altitude, latitude yeah. um, um, uh, and so anywhere you were in Israel, if you went to Jerusalem, you were going up in that sense. Mm-hmm. It was on a, on a mountain. Mm-hmm. So... We have a sense of usually uh, maps north is to the is up. Right. Go up and down, whether you're going north or south. Right. They were always up to Jerusalem. Yeah, that's right. Because it was higher than all the other. Even though they're going south to get to Jerusalem, they're still going up because it's higher than all the others. Also, it's the holy capital city, and so that's sometimes that's how you refer to cities when you're going to, like, London. You're going up to London, um, but you're going up to Jerusalem. Um, that's exactly right. Uh, so that's there. That's why it says when it says Jesus went up to Jerusalem, even they're going down to Jerusalem, they're still going up. Um, and Jerusalem was it was a city that normally had somewhere between 100,000 to 300,000 residents at the time throughout the year. Um, but during the week of a feast, that number would would swell because uh, Jews all over um, the world would be coming to Jerusalem to partake in the feast. So, so Jerusalem would be absolutely packed with Jewish people, proselytes, um, at this time of the year celebrating the feast. So Jesus is going to Jerusalem with his disciples from Capernaum and it would have been very, very crowded. Um, not, 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 not necessarily right here, but I think it helps though. I think it was basically one road that almost everyone always took. And at the bottom you went through Jericho. 
and then there was there, there was that road. Yeah, you know, I forgot about that. Yeah, there's like a the King's Road. Is that what it is, or something? But there's one that. Oh yeah, man, I forget. But that's I forgot about that. There was a road that everyone takes. And it's implied in lots of different places in the gospel. The time of going to that you're going through. There's that one road. Yeah. There's one road that goes throughout the empire, but it's I, I'm gonna have to look that up again. I forget. Uh, and, and if I recall, I think that's even the, the road kind of just kind of implies with that with the uh, the story of the well, see what we're actually study it, but the, with the Samaritan, I think it talks about. I think that that's that road between Jerusalem and, and, and Jericho. That oh, okay. One that everybody travels on, so no, so everybody would be going past the guy. That oh, okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Oh well, that's the uh, the road of Jericho. Are you talking about? Between Jericho and Jerusalem. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that when we get there. It's yeah. Okay. Um. But yeah, I, I forgot. I forgot about that road. That's a, that's an interesting uh, reminder. All right. So that's so that's the setting. The verse thirteen Passover Jerusalem going up to Jerusalem, Jesus and his disciples crowded city. Let's go. To, let's go to the story. Verse fourteen in the temple. He found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and the money changers sitting there. Um, okay, so we're going to begin the story of the cleansing of the temple by Jesus. Um, the first thing I want to deal with before we talk about this passage is its placement in John. All right, because if you've read the Synoptic Gospels and you've read John, John has this story of Jesus cleansing the temple and it's beginning here at the very beginning of his ministry. The Synoptic Gospels, when they have, they have a very, very similar story about Jesus cleansing the temple. And it's occurring at the very end of his ministry, um, right during Passion Week, right before he's ultimately crucified. So the question is, uh, what do we make of these two very similar stories occurring at very t- different times in Jesus' ministry? Now, uh, Often when I'm going through a gospel, I'm not often going to be trying to look at the other gospels and trying to make everything fit. But I think this is a this is a good one for us to just talk about briefly. Um, so while we think about this, we should keep in mind that John wrote his gospel after um, all the other gospels had been written. So he would have had access to the synoptic gospels. He would have known that they have a story about Jesus cleansing the temple and that that story would have happened uh, at the end of Jesus's ministry. So when John writes this gospel and he includes a story, he's intentionally knowing that the other gospels have it at the end. He's intentionally putting it at the beginning of Jesus's ministry. And so the question is um, why? Well, how's, how's this work? What's going on? All right. So I think there's two options. Um, the first option is that these are two different events. All right. This temple cleansing happens very early on, very early on in Jesus's ministry. And then a few years later, he cleanses the temple one more time before he dies. All right. So that's so it's two different cleansings. All right. So there's two times when Jesus encounters these uh, bazaars that are happening in the temple courtyards um, and he over turns everything. Uh, now, the stories are very similar, but 
they would be similar if they both had happened because they're both happening during a Passover feast. Um, the authorities would both respond in the same way to Jesus doing this, and Jesus would respond the same time each time to the people holding these kind of marketplaces in the temple. Um, so if there were two events, um, it would make sense that they would both be very similar. Now, I think the I think a major difference between the two accounts here is that the in the Synoptic Gospels, um, when Jesus does this, it's kind of like the last straw um, for the Jewish leaders. They finally like really put into gear the plot to kill Jesus. They're like, okay, we got to kill this guy, and they actually put into plan the the plot to kill Jesus in the Synoptic Gospels. Here, you're going to see Jesus does this, and that doesn't happen. All right, and so I think that's actually an argument that. There are two events that the later one happened um, in the Synoptic Gospels. And the fact that this one doesn't have that happen afterwards means that they're probably they were probably caught off guard, the Jewish leaders, and they didn't have this kind of final straw feeling to finally kill Jesus. It doesn't happen after the story. All right. Well, yes. Yes. All right. The second option is that although John, so that's the first option, there's two different events. The second option is that although John knew the event happened later in Jesus' ministry, he moves the event here in his account of the gospel in order to develop a certain uh, theology of Jesus, of the Christ, in a certain order. Okay, we know that the gospels aren't, they're not primarily concerned with telling the story of Jesus in chronological order. That's not their primary concern. A lot of times they're more concerned in a topical uh, order, okay? And so that's it's certainly a possibility. So maybe this event only happened once, and John decided to have it here instead for certain to develop certain theological truths about Jesus before other events, okay? So those, as I think through, those are the two options we have as far as these events go. Isaac, go ahead. Jesus is doing this specifically so that you know they could check a box. Okay, he fulfilled that prophecy. And, you know, having zeal for his for his temple. Yeah. But it makes more sense to me that every time Jesus went to the temple and saw the markets and stuff like that, that that, that would be something that that he hated and frustrated him and everything. And it would make perfect sense for him to be that he would clear the temple and then by two years later the yeah. Now you're saying you think this happened every year and it's just not recorded? <laughs> it could have happened every year and it's just not recorded. Okay. <laughs> and then by the third or fourth time, they're like, we, we, we got to kill this guy. We can't just let this keep happening. That's what, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. So if there were more times, John just chose not to include those other other times. Yeah. Okay. So those are the two options. Now, I my my opinion, maybe my opinion will change as we go on in the gospel. But my initial opinion is to say that there were two temple cleansings. I think it's I don't think it's a problem for there to be two similar stories. Um, and like Isaac said, one could have certainly happened here, and then maybe. It, 
Uh, a couple years later, Jesus does it again. And they're like, okay, we got to get rid of this guy. Um, but anyways, I just wanted to address that problem because some of you might have been reading this and maybe have, would have thought about that. Or maybe you read this and didn't think about that at all. That's fine. But I wanted to um, talk about it a bit. Why couldn't it be both? Okay, I'm, well, I'm saying it's if it, the second option would just be one occurrence. Why ancient Hebrew writing, they don't necessarily write chronologically. Right. Right. Yeah. So both would be. Uh, I can have both. It's either, there's either more than one or there's only one. That, those were the two options I was bringing. So I'm, I'm not saying that there's not a theological purpose in only including this one and not include, because he doesn't include the second one. He just includes the first one. And so you're, you're right. That's, there's a, I think there's a theological purpose. John chooses not to repeat the second Yes. Because he didn't have to. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's right. Okay. Um, Good. Yeah. I, I'm looking for it. I can't find it. In one of the accounts from the crucifixion, they bring up the accusation that he said he was burned. Yes. I think it's in one of the synoptics, and so you see the evidence of that actually happening in John. That's that's a isn't that an interesting point? Yeah. 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 And so on. And I would I would think that points to the reality. Yeah, I think you're right. And that's a that's a good point. Yeah. Later on um, in one of the other Gospels, it it brings up what Jesus says here, even though he doesn't say that in the other Gospel. Um, so uh, maybe John has that purpose in mind, too. And, and it, maybe that's why he just includes the first one. All right. Good. Well, I think we have addressed that thoroughly. Um, let's continue on. Let's look at the passage. All right. Verse 14. Verse 14 simply uh, it, it just. It mentions the scene of the temple. Okay, now this this would be it's there's a there's there's a marketplace going on in the temple, selling oxen, sheep, and pigeons, and there's money changers. All right, now this would be happening in the courtyard of the Gentiles. All right, when you go into the temple, the first courtyard surrounding the big temple complex is the courtyard of the Gentiles. It's the only place that would be big enough to hold a bazaar like this. I, I'll be saying a bazaar because that's what commentators call this marketplace bizarre and so now i've got it in my head but it's just this this marketplace it's the only place that will be big enough and it's probably the only place that the jewish people will be like yeah we can have a marketplace just put in the courtyard of the gentiles um it is bizarre it is see well that's why i was hesitant in using the word bizarre because people would be making jokes like that john all right i'm kidding <laughs> um it's a bizarre bizarre yes the bizarre bazaar would be happening in the courtyard of the Gentiles. Um, uh, so that's that's where this is happening. So you can see, okay, you can see uh, the, what's what's the initial problem you you see when that this marketplace is happening in the courtyard of the Gentiles. What is the courtyard of the Gentiles supposed to be for? It's part of the temple. Yeah, it's part of the temple. It 
the one place where uh, Gentiles can be near the, the temple? Or? It's, it's, it's the place where Gentiles are, um, can go and, and pray and, and meet the living God. I mean, that's, it's the one place where they're allowed to go and, and, and do that. And there's a, there's a marketplace there. It's, it's, you can see the, you can see the problem. You can see that one of the problems is that this is the only place that the Gentiles would, are, it's supposed to be a place where the Gentiles are welcome to come and, uh, pray to the only true God. And there's a bazaar going on. All right. Um, that's what comes to my mind. That's, that's just from context though. That's not specifically from the passage. Of course, how many like proselytes were there? Oh, okay, I guess so. you, is that what you're asking? Yeah. Because yeah. there's lots of Gentiles. I'm not. But, but I mean, are they actually worshiping? No, no, no. But the but the the point is that the courtyard is supposed to be available to them for that capacity. Not it's not. I'm not saying that there were like a bunch of Gentiles clamoring to get into it, but to, to worship God, but it was supposed to be accessible to them. You can see, you see why the Jews with their attitudes towards Gentiles would think, eh, so what? We, we, we can use this for another purpose. So. That's, yeah. That's, that's the, that's the feeling you get just from this one verse. Um, when I read it, at least. When I look at the map, that's what it looks like, but, uh, I don't know. But when you see the map, it surrounds the court of the Gentiles was designed to keep the Gentiles separate. Yes, it was designed to keep them separate, yeah. They had to walk through it. They were separate, I guess, in their worship, activities, spirit. Yes. But they had to walk through it to get, the Jewish people had to walk through the court of the Gentiles to get to their own temple. Yeah, but apparently, as we're going to see, they had to go to the court of the Gentiles to get any of the animals they wanted to get to sacrifice. Yeah. Well, we'll see that in a second. Um, what? It really is. It really is. Let me, let's, let's get into that. You guys are wanting to get into it. Let's get into that. The, the oxen and the sheep and the pigeons. Okay. So there's oxen, sheep and pigeons at the temple. Why are they there at the temple? To be sold for sacrifice, to be, to be sold, to be used and sacrificed sacrifices now so jews and proselytes you guys know what i mean when i said proselytes there's people who have converted gentiles who convert okay great um they'd be traveling from all over the known world to jerusalem to take part in these feasts you guys remember acts uh two where the, the the feast of pentecost the feast of weeks is happening and there it gives a list of all the nations that the jews are coming from one of them is rome uh itself which if you look in the map it's it's far away um, and so Jews are coming from all over the world to take part uh, in, in this feast to be able to sacrifice and, and, and celebrate the Passover. But the thing is, it would be really, I, I, I would guess it would be expensive, but it would also be risky to travel with any of your livestock from Rome or from anywhere else from your livestock to Jerusalem to try and, and make sacrifices like you, it might be a health, healthy, uh, spot free lamb. Uh, when it first started and by the time it gets to Jerusalem, it's not acceptable for sacrifice anymore. You'd have to present the animal to the priest and they would have to say, yeah, that's a, that's a good animal well, for sacrifice. That's, and that's the other thing too. 
you might not have any animals if you're a city dweller, or uh, if you might get there, you might have an animal, and they might still say, uh, "Sorry, it's not good enough. You're going to need to go buy one." Right? I mean, it's yeah, it's they can do that not because the animal is necessarily important. They they absolutely could do it for that reason. Um, and so if I mean, so imagine if hundreds of thousands of Jews are coming from all over the world and they're in, in the temple. I mean, this would, this is big business. If you're coming from all over the world and you're able to sell all these animals and you're able to reject whatever animals they, they bring to you, it's, it's, you're able to make some money. Are the priests getting a, a cut of the, what's being sold out? The- Someone is, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Someone is, but I'm not sure who, um, but it is big business, all right? Now, now the thing is that the animal sacrifices, from what I've read, they weren't always sold in the temple. They used to be sold um, outside the temple, probably outside Jerusalem. So this is a relatively newer thing that they're being sold in the temple. They weren't always uh, done that way. Verse 24 through almost 29. If you go too far away to bring your tithe with you, mm-hmm. then bring money. Yes. And buy whatever you want. That's right. That's right. So that's what they were doing. That's what they're doing. So there's nothing wrong with what they're doing, but where they're doing it. Yeah. And we're going to get to that. Now, um, but they it wasn't always, but they weren't always sold in the temple, right? They were sold outside the temple. So now they're being sold in the temple themselves. Uh so we have big business selling sacrifices to traveling Jews and proselytes who want to obey the scriptures and partake in a holy feast. Uh, all right. So next there were the money changers. So we got the animals. There were the money changers. Now, if you're coming in and wanted to pay for these sacrificial services, you couldn't pay in Roman denarii. All right. Now, why couldn't you pay in Roman denarii? Okay. That's certainly one reason you, I mean, they, they had a whole, uh, up, the Jews had a whole uprising in the beginning of the century because of, uh, the Roman coinage that they were, uh, forced to pay. They did not like, uh, they did not like Caesar's face on the coin. It was, they saw it as idolatrous. The tax itself is idolatrous. So that could, that's definitely one reason. What's another reason they couldn't pay with the Roman denarii? What did they, do you guys remember, remember the poll tax in Exodus? There was a tax that every male over 20 had to pay uh, to the temple once a year. What did they have to use when they paid that te- that tax? Is it a drachma? <laughs> I forget what a drachma is, but it's a it's a half it's a temple half shekel, which is like different than a a shekel. I don't know, but it's a certain amount of weight of silver. And so the money changers part of what they would do is they they would accept your denarii. And they would exchange it for this temple half shekel so you could pay that poll tax as well. Um, or so that you could exchange it for paying and not Roman denarii. Um, and so, but they would, they would, uh, the money change would make money off of this by charging a certain percentage for that service. Okay. And so that's how they, that's how they made their money. I'm, um, you know, I'm sure with how creative they were with following the law that they, there was a way around it. 
I'm sure they, they, there was a way that they got around it if that's the case. I don't know. Um, so everything that's going on in verse 14 in the temple, in the Gentile courtyard, uh, that's, that's everything going on. There's this bizarre trade and services occurring for the sacrificial system in order to partake in the, in the Passover feast. Okay. That's, that's the, that's the scene. That's everything that's happening. Okay. Busy, busy place. Lots of people, lots of animals, lots of coin. Verses, let's keep going. Verses 15 and 16. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. Okay, so he made a whip of, with a cord would have been pretty easy to find. There, there were ropes because the animals everywhere. So you can make a easily make a, a whip to drive things out. Um, he drove everyone out, including the animals. I love how it, it specifically talks about the coins. Mine says he poured out the coins. Or might say, it's like he it's like he found the bowls of coins and just threw them like specifically the coins, just spread them across the ground in the temple. Um, so <laughs> what do you say? <laughs> Why did I count those? Ah! <laughs> oh man, yeah, I didn't think about it from the accountant's point of view. I, sorry for the stress this might have added to your day, Isaac. <laughs> All right, clearly Jesus does not approve of what's happening here in the temple. All right, so we talked about this. According to verse sixteen, what have they done wrong? What is the problem? where the business was yeah okay okay so the the problem is that they have made the temple courtyard into a place of business okay yeah that's right so and they 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 use the language do not make my father's house a house of trade so do not make the house of my father a house of business you're turning into something that it's not supposed to be right it's not functioning how it's supposed to function um, instead of functioning as a as a house to meet God and to worship Him, it's a house of business and a trade. Um, so that's what Jesus is saying um, right here. So th- the problem isn't that. So there, we talked about how there probably are immoral dealings happening here, right? Like you know, they're they're stealing from people probably, um, but that's that's not that's not the problem. The problem is that the business is happening in the temple. And you guys remember when we went through the creation of the tabernacle um, in Exodus? You guys can't forget that. Um, we went through the whole creation of the tabernacle and how there's the tent, right? And then there's a, there's the sacrificial equipment outside of the tent where they can make sacrifices. And then there's a tall curtain and a gate. And we talked about maybe the what it would feel like you know, going into that curtain and walking in there to prepare to make sacrifices, how there would be a, the way the temple, the way the tabernacle was created, there would be a sense of, of awe and respect because you would realize you're, you're going in to sacrifice to the one holy and true Yahweh. So there's this sense of awe going into the tabernacle. We had this conversation. That's why I'm bringing it up. Um, you just get that from the description of the tabernacle. Could you imagine going into the courtyard at the tabernacle in Exodus and there being 
just a bazaar, people just selling stuff, animals all over the place, uh, you know, defecating everywhere. I mean, could you imagine that that happening in that tabernacle? Just the audacity of it. It would be bizarre. Um, yes. They would, they would have been wiped out. They would have been wiped out if they tried that. That's all right. That's, that's why I wasn't going to use bizarre, but that's okay. It's, it's there. It's, it's ripe for the taking, Jonathan. Um, so um, that reverence and awe and respect for the temple of God is clearly what's missing here in, uh, in uh, this story. And Jesus has a passionate zeal for it. D.A. Carson, he has a, a good comment here. Um, he says, Jesus' complaint is not that they are guilty of sharp business practices and should therefore reform their ethical life, but that they should not be in the temple area at all. How dare you turn my father's house into a market, he exclaims. Instead of solemn dignity and the murmur of prayer, there is the bellowing of cattle and the bleeding of sheep. Instead of brokenness and contrition, holy adoration and prolonged petition, there is noisy commerce. Jesus' demonstration in the temple was an attack on the whole of the financial arrangements for the sacrificial system and thus an enormous threat to the priestly authorities. Um, and uh, yeah, I already mentioned how this would be a, this would be a, this would be a, not a stumbling block, but this would be keeping any Gentiles who were potentially interested in the worship of Yahweh. They, they wouldn't be able to come to the Gentile courtyard and worship Yahweh that the way the temple was built for, the way it was supposed to function. And so it's essentially keeping the nations from, from knowing the Lord. Um, so it's not functioning how it should function. Verse 17. I'm going to keep going because we got to end soon. His disciples remember that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. All right. So the disciples are remembering a verse from Psalm 69, 9. Um, this is a psalm in which David is lamenting to the Lord all of his, his suffering from his enemies. I'm going to read just from verse 7, 7 to 9, from Psalm 69. Because for your sake, so David's saying because of, for God's sake, I have borne reproach. Dishonor has covered my face. I have become estranged from my brothers and an alien to my mother's sons. For zeal for your house has consumed me. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Okay, it's saying, the psalmist is saying that the righteous one is experiencing suffering because of his passion for the Lord's house, all right, from, from his enemies. Okay, and so the disciples are seeing that as uh, since if Jesus is the Messiah in the lineage of David, that if the Messiah is supposed to have a similar type of zeal for the house of God that, that David has, then Jesus is fulfilling that. All right, that's what, that's why uh, that verse is mentioned here. Psalm 69, 69. And I read, I read verses seven through nine, but it, just verse nine is in the, is in the passage. Verse 18. So the Jews said to him, "What sign do you show us for doing these things?" Okay, that's an interesting way to ask. What, what, are, what are they asking? Um, Jesus, essentially, where are they asking? Justification. Justification. Okay. By what? What? What authority 
That's how they ask it in the other gospels. What, what authority do you have to be doing what you're doing? Now, the Jewish leaders have, oh, say that again. Who do you think you are? Yeah, who do you think you are? Now, the Jewish leaders have every, that's a, that's a legitimate question. They have every right to ask that question. Um, but the way that it's phrased here, what sign do you show us for doing these things? Um, well, it's, it's very John. I mean, I feel like John is, you know, he's concerned with that type of stuff too. But it's also, it, if there was just a hooligan, you know, ransacking the temple, there's, there's ways to deal with that. You wouldn't, you wouldn't go out. If it was just like some random guy, uh, sacking the temple, temple, you wouldn't go up to him and ask, you know, what, what sign do you have for doing this? You wouldn't, it's, it's almost a little bit, uh, almost respectful in a way. Not, I mean, but it's, it's not just, they see it as, it seems to be telling me that there's, it's not just some random person they see doing this. They seem to know, or at least have an idea of what Jesus is capable of or heard of him to some extent. And so they ask for a sign. And of course, every time someone asks Jesus for a sign, he just immediately gives them a sign, right? That's how Jesus works. No, that's not how Jesus works. He's, he does, he's not, uh, he's not manipulated in that way. Um, so they ask for a sign. They're, they're essentially asking what, what, by what authority are you doing these things? Um, and let's look at, let's look at his answer. Jesus answered them, verse 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remember that he said this and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus was spoken, uh, had spoken. I appreciate John because he, uh, he, he doesn't raise questions and leave them unanswered. He just answers them for you. <laughs> Jesus said, this is, uh, what, what did Jesus mean by that? Oh, he meant the temple is his body. That's He answers it for you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he clarifies he clarifies it. All right, so let's... Um, let me think. He meant... Uh, so he didn't mean the literal temple when he's talking about this, although the literal temple will eventually be destroyed. He does prophesy that in other Gospels and maybe in John 2. I can't remember. Um, but uh, he's, when he's talking about the temple, he said this temple. He's talking about his body when he says this temple. All right. So let's think about that for just a second. I know we got to get going. Um, think about back to the tabernacle. What was the purpose of the tabernacle when 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 Moses and the Israelites built it? Why Why were they building it? Say that again. No, I think you said say it one more time. I just can't hear you. The tabernacle was to worship God, right? And they had the uh, yeah. Ten commandments to carry around. Oh yeah, those were in there too. It was to worship God. But what what was the why did they why did they build a place to worship God? So, so corporate worship could be with them. corporate worship and so that God could be present with them that's right it's a place it's where God's presence could dwell within the people it's so it's where it's where people could go and meet with God that's what the yeah and you I know you're saying that I'm getting I'm getting that's right and you know the problem with with uh with Bible teachers is they like to get real specific so that's that's, that's what I was doing you were right um but that's it's a place to go and meet God so that you can worship him. All right. 
And that's Jesus saying, this temple is, you destroy it, and it'll be raised again in three days. He's saying that this is the place where you can go to meet God. He's saying that he's the place where you can go to meet God. I think that's what he's saying when he says this temple. Because we know that the temple in Jerusalem is not going to, is uh, not functioning how it should. It's no longer going to be the place where you can meet God. God is going to destroy it. And eventually the church is going to become the new place where you go to meet God. But right now Jesus is saying this temple, this is where you can go to meet with God. You come to me. I think that's what he's saying. We're familiar from the epistles, the idea that our bodies as believers are our temples of the Holy Spirit. But this would not have been a, a, a concept that would have been familiar at that time. No, well, that's why that's why he has to explain it here, right? Later, like years later, he has to explain. Because I think Jesus understands that, too, that he, even though he's saying this, they're not going to know right now what he means by that. But they'll, they'll be able, the disciples will be able to look back on this moment and remember. They, they, the others are not a temple of God in the sense that Jesus was. At, no. At, at, at. That, that, that privilege doesn't come until the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's going to be a special thing. Yes.